talk with my friend and killer artist, Jonathan Grimm. We talk all things horror and the day-to-day of what it's like being a full-time artist. We also talk about his new Hand of Doom tarot deck that's up right now on Kickstarter. I will have a link to that and all of his other work in my show notes, so uh, don't forget to uh, check that out. It's uh, definitely don't want to miss that. It's really killer. So, um, After you're done with this episode, make sure you check out my fellow horsemen of the podcast, Apocalypse. Everything Went Black podcast. Into the Necrosphere. The Necromaniacs podcast. Break the Apocalypse. Iblis Manifestations, and the Soul Knox Podcast. And uh, once again, thanks so much for listening. And um, if you get a chance, uh, leave me a rating on Spotify, iTunes, wherever you listen to podcasts. That, that would be much appreciated. So hope you enjoy this episode, and thanks once again. I'm glad you're finally on the show, man. This is a long time coming. Oh, hell yeah, yeah. Now that we actually got something to talk about, I got the, the new deck coming out and shit, so... Yeah, dude, you stay super busy, man. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I'm still paying the rent. <laughs> be, be, cool. be, being homeless is a real motivator, so you know you, you learn to stay fucking busy in this shit. That is definitely true, man. But um, yeah, you're killing it. I think. Um, I when did you go full time with the art? Oh uh, well, full time, full time, like as yeah. in my only gig, right? Uh, about a year and a half ago. Nice. Yeah, and um. How's that going so far? Like, like I'm saying, you've been keeping busy as hell from what I can see. So I'm guessing everything's oh, going mean, really well. It's been, it's been absolutely fantastic, man. It's, I was, I, I, I've been doing it for about five, six years while working a regular job, slowly paying off you know, any debt and everything I had Then I slowly dropped down to part-time at the regular job. You know, I, I knew I had a prep if I was going to try this because I'm a freelance illustrator. I don't know how much money I'm going to make every month. You know, mm-hmm. it varies to a ridiculous degree. And especially since I'm also focusing on my own projects, not just working for other people. It's like, well, as long as you do the prep work, then you're ready for it, but you're still never actually ready for it. You know? Right. It's got to be a good uh, feeling of freedom, though, knowing they say, uh, fuck my daytime job and I'm doing what I love to do. Oh, man, it is. I'm not good at being told what to do. So, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, 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 it is really not. I mean, like, don't get me wrong. It's super stressful, you know, when you're doing this kind of thing. Like I said, because it is the uncertainty, you know, like last year when I finally dropped my regular job, all of a sudden, you know, I don't have health care. I don't have a regular paycheck. I've got to take care of all that shit myself, you know, and then you don't know how well things are going to go, you know, because I I don't rely on one thing to make a living. Mm -hmm. I work through a diversified set of things to make my living. Like I do a little bit of commission work every month. I have, you know, passive income from selling prints and T-shirts and stuff such online um, you know, I do art shows, I license out designs. So like whenever like one month is a little slow on one thing, if you're lucky, one of the other ones will take up for it. Right. That's cool. And on, on, on the topic of shirt selling stuff or whatever, some of your artwork for your shirts, I own two of your Mandy designs and they're fucking awesome. <laughs> oh, awesome. Dude, dude, I've had a third one in my head literally for like three years. 
I just have never had time to sit down and draw it. Well, whenever you do draw that, I will buy it. So <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate that. I swear to goodness, like, like the, that movie, I don't know what the fuck, man. Like it's full of some of the best visuals of the last 10 years mm-hmm. in horror in horror. And you know, horror people like us, we are merch junkies. We will buy all of your shit. And like, they don't put out much merch for it. They are so missing the ball on that damn freaking movie. Oh, that is true. Um, because I'm pretty much buying up all that merch that does come out. So I'm like, yeah. stay. I, I stay on the curve with that, you know. And um, I got pretty much everything that um that has came out in the past. Like since the movie's been out right now, I've been found some shit on eBay. Like they um they had some like promo uh, VHS tapes they did for Mandy when the yeah, first I saw those. I, I found those on eBay. And then um <clears throat> my friend over there at uh broke horror fan and um and Witter Entertainment and stuff, uh, they do those uh, reissue VHS, like the big box reissues and stuff, like custom artwork and everything like that. I got pretty much everything they have on Mandy from them, so I got some really cool VHS box sets from them. Oh, that's freaking awesome. Yeah, it's like, I don't know what the hell they're thinking. I mean, like, they did, like, the little Funko Pops, but, like, nothing in the way of, like, action figures or statues so much, you know? It's like... There's so much they could be doing. I mean, you know, you, you get some Cheddar Goblin here or there, but yeah, no, they're they're, they're definitely they they missed the boat on that freaking movie. Yeah, and I, I totally agree with you. That's some of the best visuals of anything that's come out in the past. I would say the past 20 years, man. This is such yeah, a I like mean, honestly, yeah, you're, film. Not, you're not wrong. You're you're 100% not wrong. That is one of the most viciously gorgeous films I've seen in a long time. And it, it's hard for me trying to, like, uh, you know, watching all these new films that are coming out. And there's a lot of really killer horror movies on now, but I'm still kind of chasing that dragon to get that feeling like when I first saw Mandy, you know what I mean? And even rewatching Mandy, I still, like, there's nothing else right now that really touches that, you know? Yeah, there was something about that, like, late 2010s period, I feel like, where I don't know what was going on, but there was just, like, a creative zeitgeist as far as, like, the horror industry, because you were getting flicks like, you know, green room and autopsy of jane doe and um what's the damn what's the heavy metal one with the flying v why is my brain not working yeah devil's candy which is uh yeah, yeah like, a great movie all those movies has come out like literally like within a span of like two three years and like like in my opinion some of the best horror that's ever been done these are amazing films but at the same time like out of all of those like mandy's the one that did get a little bit of merch but like they're they're not making merch like they used to like like when i was growing up you know we had five billion freddy krueger things you know Mm -hmm. five billion jason Voorhees things scream stuff everywhere etc etc but like now it's to the point where like like, like how, how is it 2023 and I can't go online and buy a motor figure from the ritual? Right. And I think that's fucking horrible, man. And yeah, I, I miss the times back when we were younger and so forth. There's like fucking horror merch everywhere. And, you know, unfortunately, I was too young to buy most of that shit. My parents would do the best they could for me. And I'd always have like oh, yeah, some here. cool shit. But man, if I was like right now going back in time, like, you know, having my own money and stuff, being an adult, like I would buy the shit, all that stuff. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I, I remember when I was in like late high schools, like when the like the McFarlane's original movie maniac series started coming out 
And that's where all my money went. Like every weekend I was at the mall trying to grab another one. So I had an entire shelf of like all the movie maniacs figures. That's killer. Yeah. Um, physical media is uh, super important. Um, as we get older, physical media becomes more extinct, I guess. Like you walk into Best Buy now and go look at their Blu-ray section, DV- oh, you know, DVDs. There's nothing there. I picked up the, uh, was it the 20th anniversary of uh, House of a Thousand Corpses or 25th anniversary bucks that they had going on there, like special edition. I actually found that at Best Buy, but it was so sparse, man. There was like one fucking half a row there. That was it. Yeah. Stuff like that. Like, I don't, I don't go to shit stores anymore. I'm, a, I'm also like, I'm not a big physical media guy anymore because I used to have some hoarding issues. <laughs> I mean, you you know how it gets when you're a collector, you collect and you start collecting every damn thing. So I got rid of most of my stuff. And like now, only thing I still collect in physical is like Blu-rays are my favorites, obviously, and horror toys. Mm. Like like I'll buy monsters, not even horror toys, specifically monster toys. I love my monster toys. Right. I, I'm down there with you on that. Um, when it comes to like the toys and the Blu-rays, I try to limit myself on what I do buy just because of having enough room for shit. So that I'm kind of like, I'm picky on everything. It's got to be something really fucking cool. I'm like, all right, I'm going to get this, you know, where the fuck am I going to put it at? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, like that, that's the point I was at. Like I had like eight bookshelves in my place. Each one of them was double stacked with paperbacks and DVDs and toys and it's like, I, I can't even enjoy any of it because you can't see half of it. So, yeah, a few years ago, I purged almost like, probably, I'd say like 80 or 90 percent of my collection. Yeah, I'm so I'm so crazy when it comes to collecting shit. I've got some uh, Clyde Barker uh, signed stuff up in my fucking closet, still wrapped in the fucking signed paper stuff it came in. I haven't even touched it because I'm afraid I'm going to fuck it up. that's my my problem though it's like i was getting to that point too it's like why am i buying this shit if i can't look at it right yeah and i I feel that every day i'm like should you know should i open it up no i don't want to open up it's numbered man and i don't want to like i I don't want to fuck it up or anything and i spent a shit ton of money on this kickstarter it was when you did the uh first run of the imagineer book i don't know if you remember that i remember that yeah i went crazy as shit with that i was i start off on like one level i'm like all right this is how much i'm gonna do I was like, ah, you know what? I could do a little bit better. Let's get this because I want to get this and this. And then, uh, you know, I finally came out. I did like the max level contribution and stuff. And I was like, God, yeah, that, damn it, that, that, what did I do? Kickstarter people get you. <laughs> we just we make each level just a little more enticing. Get a little bit more of your money. <laughs> they got me on that, and also on the Mandy art book that just came out. It's like a poster art book. I oh, started I off. I, I haven't picked that up yet. Oh, dude, it is a beautiful book, man. So well done, and I. I went top tier with that motherfucker too. So I got like this signed Graham Humphreys poster. I, oh, I still have in it too because I haven't had a chance to get it framed right yet. And I don't want that to be fucked up. Yeah. Like, I, I God feel damn. You. Yeah. The one, the, 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 what I do still collect are art books in like art prints. Like that's one of the few things where I still get a ton of them. Like I've got, I've got literally tubes of art. I, I still need to frame and find somewhere to put. It's ridiculous. You know, definitely on the same boat there too and i got yeah. tubes lying everywhere with i'm like oh i forgot i have this I'm like i don't yeah, have enough frames or... through that tube and then all of a sudden it's like oh i forgot about this oh i forgot about this and then some of the posers have like a weird size to them man. i'm like where am i gonna find a frame for this like ones you know just the weird odd sizes man i hate that it's, where's the normal poster size i got so many weird ones around you know 
Dude, that is one of my number one caveats as an artist. I I yell at other artists all the time about this shit. It's like, listen, buddy, if I'm giving you 20 bucks for an art print, I can't spend $85 on a frame because you can't make a standard size fucking thing. Right. Like, all you're doing is losing sales and making sure your art's never going to be displayed properly. Like, one of my biggest things is, like, all my art pieces, 11 by 17. It's it's cheap, easy to frame. You can find frames anywhere, Walmart, Michaels, whatever. It's the, it's the standard comic book paper size. So when I'm whenever I'm working on comics, it's not like it's a hard jump. It makes everything ten times easier, and it's almost perfectly formatted for me to do art books and tarot cards. Right. So it's like it it serves everything, and it doesn't cause problems down the road. Yeah, I, like I've seen so many people at shows. Who do amazing work, but I won't buy it because, like I said, I'm not spending a hundred dollars on a frame for a twenty dollar art print, buddy. I I just can't do it. Totally agree, man. And um, my wife, um, she got this uh Clyde Barker original piece of art called the Unbeliever. She got that matted in frame for me, and it's in one of those weird sizes too. So she had she went all out on this thing, and I think it cost like three hundred, four hundred fucking dollars. So it looks yeah, amazing, but original art. Yeah. I'll you know, it, it, actual media on actual paper, something the artist touched. I'll let that slide. Then it's worth framing. But man, like a twenty dollar print at a show, dude. Come on, you got you got to help me out here. I, I can't do that. Yeah, dude, I wouldn't spend fucking eighty dollars for a twenty dollar print. That's for sure. Yeah, right. make it make it a right size. <laughs> you know. Exactly. Like like with my <laughs> prints, I charge like fifteen bucks for a print at a show. I think like 17 or 18 online, but it's because I know you can go on Amazon and you can get a five pack of freaking frames for like 30 bucks, you know? Yeah. That's definitely the way to do it for sure. <clears throat> what, um, what got you started on your art journey, man? Oh, I mean, I've always been, an, I wanted to be an artist ever since I was a kid. Like the earliest, like all my earliest memories are drawing and I've always drawn. But, you know, I've got, just, you know, severe depression and anxiety issues. So I basically, I let that stop me my entire life from ever actually pursuing it. So when I hit about uh, 35, I made a decision. It's like, listen, you know, in five years, you're going to be 40 one way or another. You can either be 40, still hating your life, working a shitty job, or you could be 40 and possibly on your way to becoming a professional artist like you've always wanted to. So I finally just said, fuck it, got off my ass and started putting the work in Cause that's, that's all this shit is. It's work. Right. If you're willing to put the work in and sacrifice, you know, and get better and learn how to sell and everything else, the success comes with it. Yeah, that, that's, that's true, man. I, I, a lot of like different aspects and stuff like with music, uh, art and all that stuff, you got to put the work in dude. Oh yeah, I mean music. I mean, cause I, I I I play too. I've been playing for over almost thirty years. Music's a little bit different because, like, right now it's whew, it is not easy to make a living with doing music. Like any of my friends or the bands I work with that do that shit legit as their only job, I have nothing but respect for those folks because they are putting the work in. Because it is hard to make a living with music right now. Oh yeah, you're not lying. I was in a. I would say semi-pro band. We weren't a local band anymore. We're above all that stuff. We, you know, we toured the U.S. many times and stuff. But I did that for 
about 16, 17 years of my life, and we were rarely able to break even. We all had to have yeah. day jobs. <laughs> you know? well, that's exactly how it goes, man. It's like I had to choose one or the other. I'm like, all right, I don't want to work a regular job anymore. So let's give the uh, let's give the art thing a, a try. And, you know, like like the kind of art I do, like really hasn't been super popular since like the 70s. So it's and on one hand, it's nice because I stand out from the crowd a bit. But on the other hand, it hasn't been fucking popular since the 70s. Right. So I, I don't get quite as much play as some of the other people I you know I know. But long as I can make a living, put a little bit aside, I'm pretty happy. That's killer. And um, who were some of your like uh, inspirations growing up? For, oh, uh, man, I mean, that's Bernie Wrightson. Absolutely, Bernie writes, and like I, I remember the first time, my my first ever crime was stealing a copy of a Cycle of the Werewolf, Stephen King story that, that inspired Silver Bullet from oh, yeah. the library because it was the original edition that had the rights and artwork in it, mm-hmm. and I had to own this as like an eleven year old. So like I actually stole the damn book from the library. I still have the book actually. But yeah, no, it was definitely Bernie Wrightson. Um, like not so much his painting, even though I do love his painting work, but his uh, specifically his black and white illustration, all of his stuff from you know back in the '70s working for Creepy and Eerie magazine. That to me is like the holy grail of of artwork. Uh, obviously, his illustrated Frankenstein is quite possibly the best illustration work to who have been done in the last hundred years. Mm. Like right now, Nakatomi is is working with his widow Liz, and they've been doing um prints of all the all the old Frankenstein art. And instead of just reproducing what's already out there, they go out, they find the cats that own the original, like the million dollar originals from this freaking book. So you know they're they're over at Guillermo del Toro's house every other weekend, most likely, because that son of a bitch owns like half of it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and they they actually they rescan it full in color leave all the imperfections, every little pencil mark under the inks, reproduce it super high quality at the original size. And I, oh God, they're absolutely amazing. I've got five pieces sitting in my hallway right now. Oh, yeah, dude, but guy. And, you know, like I, I was a big, I was and am a big comic book guy. So, you know, growing up like in the 90s, you know, Mike Deodato, um, reading all kinds of, um, you know, the X-Men stuff from like Jim Lee and whatnot, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, and then like at the same time, they were reprinting all the old EC comics stuff from the fifties and sixties and releasing like these big, like 64 page comics for like something like two, two twenty five. So I would always grab those. So, you know, I got introduced to like Wally Wood and Jack Davis, you know, the, the guys that were just absolute masters of composition because like as much as I love comics, it's hard to get like a ton of true art from the comics. If that sounds right. Right. Like I love standard superhero books. Don't get me wrong. But when you're knocking out 22, 26 pages a month, you can only do so much when you were working on like creepy and eerie magazine or heavy metal, or you were doing old EC comics, tales from the crypt and vault of horror back in the day, you were only knocking out, eight, 10, 12 page stories for those books. So those cats could really sit down and put the time in and just create absolute 
masterpieces in graphic storytelling. And like, that's what I always wanted to do. And then as I got older, I started to be friends with some of the comic book artists. Um, I grow grown up idolizing like you know, on Facebook and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And I saw that like almost without fail, aside from like the really, really, really big guys, these cats are all destitute. Wow. That's not cool. <laughs> it's because they, you know, they came up drawing Wolverine and the X-Men and Batman and Superman. And it's like, these aren't their characters, you know, that you're, you're working for some big ass corporation and don't get me wrong. I, I love Marvel and DC. Like I'd love to do like cover work for them one day or something. You know, I love those characters, mm-hmm. but it's like, if you, if you spend your entire life making art that you don't own, man, you're fucked. So That's like horrible. a couple of years ago, I decided to start slowly changing my idea and my trajectory to trying to concentrate on things that I own, that I have the rights to. Now it's a hell of a lot harder to sell that stuff, but when you do sell it, you're making all the money, you know, and I'm not getting paid one time to draw a a comic book cover. You know, if I draw a comic book cover for a company, I get paid by them once I can then sell the original art so I get paid twice. If I'm lucky, maybe they'll let me do a print run so I can get a little bit extra out of it. But all that time I put in for only getting paid once or twice versus if I'm working on my own thing, it pays off for years. Mm-hmm. Like last year, I released my first tarot deck, the Bound Tarot. It's, you know, Shibari, Kimbaku, it's BDSM, Bondage, Demons and Angels absolute ridiculous shit but i was able to sit down and invest and make an 80 images of that and the the reception was amazing like i don't have a huge social media presence or anything like that and i've to this i released it last year to this day i've sold almost 500 of those damn decks wow that's killer yeah it's amazing man like and like it's impossible to to promote something like that because of the sexual aspects fact that i've got i've got it on every continent except for antarctica i have orders literally from all over the world it's fantastic now is it enough to like just sell those and make a living off of no of course not but like it all adds up and here's the thing i can keep selling that for Mm -hmm. years and years and years and years and that's that's everything i'm working on now is like I, i i still love doing my commission work working with bands and breweries and, you know, um, I'm doing a lot of role-playing game book work, but it's like, I don't own that stuff. So if I don't own it, I only get paid the once. Right. This way I'm actually building something for the future where I can keep getting paid off this stuff and actually make a living at art. Like people always ask me like, Hey, how do I make a living as an artist? I'm like, like, what do you want to do? Well, I want to be, a comic book artist. All right, well, there's your first mistake. You can be an artist who does comic books, but the chances of you being a comic book artist who makes a living just doing comic books, it's insanely slim. It's like Neil Adams said, there's millions of doctors and lawyers in the world. At best, there's a, there's a few thousand professional artists in the world. Mm. And the ones who do make a living at it are either insanely good at what they do or they're smart enough to know, get work from everywhere. 
Right. Have it like diversify and stuff, like have yeah. stuff here and there. Yeah. And, you know, you know, like even Bernie me. Wrightson, you know, <laughs> he was a, he was a fine art painter. He was an illustrator. He, he helped and he, he and Len Wein invented Swamp Thing for DC. He did a ton of comic book work, but he also did a ton of the design work. Like on the on movies, like the thing from Carpenter, mm-hmm. you know, it's like these guys, like most people just don't realize like most artists don't do just one thing and you have to be willing to accept that. You know, it just is what it is. Even if it's not your, your entire passion, find a way to make it your passion that way you can make a living at it. Cause like, here's the thing you can tell me, Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm a comic book artist. I'm like, all right. So you don't want to work with bands, do do album cover art. Like, no, it's not really my thing. Like, do you, would you rather work at Walmart? Right. Or would you rather do band artwork, dude? You know, it's one, if you had the choice between the two, it's up to you, you know, like, I don't yeah. know. <laughs> right. <clears throat> yeah. That, that's definitely true, man. You got to, I'd rather much do artwork than fucking work at Walmart any day. So, you know, that's what I try and get across to these younger guys and gals that I, that I work with. Cause I, I, like when I was starting doing this, I had no idea what the hell I was doing. So now I go out of my way to try and, you know, help other artists, just show them how I make money. If I show them how I make money, then they can make more money. If they make more money, they don't have to work regular jobs. We're not all working for billion-dollar corporations. I can do my little part to just slowly dismantle capitalism in this country <laughs> just through weaponizing artists, you know, and just encouraging them and showing them how they how to get by. But, yeah, it's, it's nine times out of ten. It's If someone's having a hard time making a living as an artist, it comes down to either you're not practicing enough Cause you got to practice every single freaking day. It doesn't matter how good you are. You got to get, keep getting better. Otherwise you're done. Or it's, I only want to do this one thing and mm-hmm. doing the one thing. Don't work. You got to keep your weapons sharp. You got to fucking practice every day. Like you're saying. And, uh, yeah. Keep, oh like, yeah, man, absolutely. Yeah. Like right now I'm working on a new tarot deck, the hand of doom. And it's all, influenced by 1970s black sabbath doom metal sci-fi fantasy horror just mixing everything i absolutely love into one thing and in doing this i'm learning a ton of new techniques and detail work and i'm trying to put i'm I'm trying to put out the best thing i've ever drawn in this 78 card tarot deck it's like even me now you know like i make a living at this but at the same time, I know I need to get so much better, and I can't wait. I love learning new stuff and improving at this. Is, is the Kickstarter up for that one yet? The uh, notification page is up. Anyone who's listening can go on to Kickstarter, type in Hand of Doom Tarot, and you can get notified for the release. Or just go to my website for links, jonathangrimart.com. But um, the Kickstarter will be um, going live in the fall. Um, should be early September. Nice. Because like right now, I'm about halfway through illustrating the cards, and you know most Kickstarters, they want your money before the work's done, and I'm mm-hmm. not a fan of that. And because I do well enough at art, I can afford to put the time into this before releasing it. So like right now I'm currently putting in a shit ton of work that I don't actually know I'm going to get paid for, but I prefer to, I prefer to take people's money when there's a product ready, 
You know, when I'm ready, when I'm ready to produce the deck, then I do the Kickstarter. I get the money. That way I can get the cards made, have them shipped in, get everything shipped out to everybody. That way, you know, we've all signed up for Kickstarters where you don't get the product for a year or two years or just shows up at all, you know? Yeah. I hate that shit. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, Cause you forget about it. And then you're like, Hey, I never got that item. Yeah. No, I don't like doing things like that. So I'm on schedule now where by the time the Kickstarter releases, I should be at least 90% done with the deck. And then we're going to go ahead and I'd be able to knock the rest of it out relatively quickly. I figure I should be 100% done just as it's ending or within a couple weeks of that. Badass. And I think that's going to do really well, especially in the Doom community and stuff. You know, we're a pretty big community when it comes to like Doom Metal, Sludge, all that stuff. You know, I think that's yeah, going to sell very well. Because, <laughs> like I said, <laughs> this stuff is such a big chance to take. You know, it's, but yeah, no, I'm hoping it does well. And, and it's got a lot more crossover because, you know, horror fans, illustration fans, heavy metal guys, you know, all the shit I love. I know there's a billion people out there that love this stuff just as much as I do. And it's going to be a lot easier to promote than my BDSM deck. I I can't promote (laughs) most places like Facebook because, you know, they, they, they kick you off real quick. Oh yeah. (laughs) Like this one, there's no BDSM. There's plenty of astronauts and monsters and pretty ladies, guitars strewn about everywhere. And it's an absolute blast. But yeah, as of right now, just the, the, the notification page is up. But um, yeah, that, that should be going live in September. That's killer. Yeah. I'm um, horror and fucking um, um, horror and doom and horror and metal in general just go together so fucking well. Oh, absolutely, man. It, it's, it's like a Venn diagram. Like there's always a good chance. Like if you're into horror, there's a good chance you're into metal. If you're into metal, there's a good chance you're into comics. If you're into comics, there's a good chance you're like into wrestling. Like that, and like that, that that's kind of what I base my my work around is all the things I love. You know, it's because I know there's always going to be overlap in those things, so you'll get more business. But at the same time, it appeals to a wider audience because of that overlap. Right. And also right now, too, I've, I've been talking about this on a few podcasts. I think the horror movies and the horror genre itself is making another, like, renaissance type thing right now. We're like, you know, horror is pretty fucking big. You know, we're riding a big wave of, like, cool shit oh, yeah. that's out there in the public now, you know? Oh, yeah, without a doubt. Like, anytime you put a horror movie into the theater, you're you're all but guaranteed to make money, man. Because nine times out of ten, horror movies are way cheaper than most of the stuff they're putting out. Because you don't need a, a billion-dollar Marvel Avengers blockbuster budget for something like that, mm-hmm. and people always love horror. You know, if you give someone a good story with a cool monster, they just want to shut off for an hour and a half. You know, go have some fun. Horror is always a safe bet, man. Yes, yeah, my ultimate escapism is watching horror movies. You know, yeah, I'm always too. also too trying to chase that. You know creepy feeling that i felt when i was younger would you it's kind of hard now being a a junior adult trying to get that like true scary feeling like i haven't really felt that in anything recent you know what i mean but it's still i'm always chasing them like maybe something you know kind of give me that chill type feeling but i still love horror i still love everything about it and stuff you know just always chasing that ultimate thrill you know oh absolutely yeah like like with me like horrors never even as a kid like i was introduced to horror at a ridiculously early age like my parents were giving me 
you know, we had we had the first couple of Phantasms on VHS and the original Terminator back when I was like five or six. You know, my old man was throwing Stephen King books at me by the time I was eight. And like none of that stuff has ever actually like scared me. Like not to sound tough, it just it, I just love the design aspect of it. Like when I want to feel scared, I read the news. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, that's the news. Hard. The yeah. news will scare the fuck out of me. Like, yeah. like everything that's going on down in places like Florida and Texas right now, like that terrifies me. Exactly. You know, but like horror movies, yeah, like you said, that's my escape. That's where I go to get away from that stuff. Yeah, I was also exposed to horror when I was really young. I'm thinking like five and under. I mean, as long as I can remember shit, my uh, grandma and my aunt would watch horror movies with me and stuff. I had no like, oh, you can't do radar movies. I had none of that shit. I could watch whatever I wanted to. And I just remembered. Yeah, uh, same here, only, man. I love it. I, I absolutely that, loved it. Only thing that traumatized me as a kid was fucking child's play because I owned a My Buddy doll. And that shit oh, fucked me up for years to come. <laughs> yeah. Dude, you want to know the movie that, that actually scared me as a kid? But, You're going to laugh at me. It's fucking E.T. Oh, yeah. E.T. is kind of fucking creepy, though. <laughs> Dude, that thing scared the shit out of me as a child. To this day, I have not seen that movie in full. Wow. That thing, it terrified me as a child. Absolutely terrified me. Horror movies, all day, no problem. You show me E.T., I'm not having it. It's, <laughs> it's no good. <laughs> You don't hear much about E.T. either, man. That was a huge movie when we were younger, but you don't, there's no like special Blu-rays of it, none of that kind of stuff. Like it's kind of dropped off the planet. Yeah, which is surprising. You know, it's a Spielberg joint. Everyone still loves Spielberg, but yeah, I, I think it's, I think, I think it's finally time for the thing to take revenge because, you know, the thing completely tanked because of fucking E.T. Right. You know, 1982, everybody wanted their aliens, you know, cuddly and with glowing fingers. Not ripping through freaking dogs and impersonating freaking Kurt Russell. Uh, it's still one of the best movies ever made, in my opinion. Oh, my, my all-time favorite movie, without even a question. The special effects alone just fucking still hold up to this day and still oh. pretty much beat a ton of other fucking movies in their, like, fancy CGI bullshit. You know? Oh, yeah, man, exactly. Like, the work they did on that is... To this day, like you said, it holds up perfectly. Like even in like the new remasters, it's only a tiny bit of like digital editing. Like the one part where they have to set the spider head on fire, they edit out the fact that the remote control car. Because mm -hmm. like in your like in the original cut, you can see that a remote control car spinning in the fire. So like they edited that out, and like a couple little things here and there they've done to it. But like yeah, no, it, it completely freaking holds up. It's insane. Did you uh see the what was it was it a remake or a sequel to the thing that came out in the 2000s? Did you ever uh, see that? The, the prequel. Yeah, the yeah. Prequel. Yeah, yeah. I, I went to go see it. Um, honestly, I, I, everyone hates it. I don't hate it. I'm more disappointed by it because they had put the work in. They had done the fucking practical effects for that movie, and mm -hmm. the studio decided at the last minute to scrap them for CGI. And that's what ends up ruining that movie because the CGI does not look good. No. Um, the cool thing is, though, the, the effects company that actually made all that, all, all the physical effects, they kept all of them. And they were mm. able to reuse a good chunk of them in a Lance Henriksen movie called um, Harbinger Down. Oh, yeah. I remember Harbinger Down. Yeah, yeah that's kind of like a, a under the radar. Movie, at least I got to see some of the monsters, you know. 
yeah, the monster work is great in that one. The movie itself is kind of boring, but yeah, yeah that's it's, it's still cool to check out though. It's kind of like almost a hidden gem, you know. I think anybody yeah, that likes exactly. like sci-fi should check that one out for sure. Yeah, like I said, like like my thing, I'm a monster movie guy through and through. Like I, I love all horror movies. You know, I'll watch slashers or giallo or whatever have you. But like for me, it's all about the creature features, the monster movies, like that. That's what I grew up on, you know. Like even going back to like being a little kid and watching like old sixties Toho Godzilla with my old man, mm-hmm. <clears throat> you know, like my love of monsters runs deep, and that's where most of my artwork leans towards. Like you know, you've seen my stuff like nine oh, yeah. times out of ten, I'm drawing a monster. You know, that's that's where that's just absolutely fun. I fucking love your werewolf designs, man. Because werewolves oh, are my thanks. thing, man. Since I was a kid, man, like I love your designs. Great. Yeah, we're, we're, werewolves are one of my favorites too. But I gotta say, like, like they're not one of my favorites to draw, because like texturing hair with just straight black and white ink is tricky. <laughs> <laughs> but I absolutely love putting the work in to do something like that. Yeah, man. That, that's been my thing since I was a kid. Like, I've always loved werewolves for some reason. Like, that's always been my favorite type of movie. Like, one of my favorite films of all time is American Werewolf in London. Uh, right. And also, like, the original Howling and stuff, man. And um, another thing, too, when I was growing up, um, a lot of people know about this TV show. Uh, it was called Werewolf. You probably yeah. remember. You remember Werewolf, right? Yep, that was um, on, was that, was that on Fox. USA? It was on Fox. Fox, okay, right, yeah. right, right, yeah. Yeah, no, I think believe Rick Baker did the werewolf designs on those, yep. and they still look fucking great. And I have a a bootleg DVD that has the VHS rips of all those because they never did any DVDs in America that I know of of that show. You know, still VHS quality, and there's mm-hmm. no Blu-ray of it. Supposedly there's a Blu-ray of it that's like only only a European release. Can't of get course. your hands on that though, you know. But dude, yeah, they did a remake. Been one of my favorites, but it's like it's also like one of the one of the hardest creatures to do like, you know, in a live action movie, I feel like so many werewolves just look absolutely terrible. Oh yeah. Uh, Van Helsing's a big example for me. Yes. Van, he- Van Helsing was a fun movie, but man, oh, the CGI werewolf cool. and stuff, dude. Uh, looked like shit. Looked like yeah. absolute shit. Yeah. Like to me, the pinnacle of werewolves in a movie is uh dog soldiers. Oh yeah, Dog Soldiers is like my number three favorite werewolf movie, right behind The Howling. But yeah, yeah no, dude, that's how you do that's, fucking werewolves. That's my number one, man. Just because those werewolf designs, you know, they went like lighter on the hair, giving it almost like a flesh look, so that way it didn't have to be some big fuzzy suit. Made them all like lethe and and streamlined and just scary as hell. Absolutely love that movie. I actually just picked up the uh, book, the making of. Oh, nice. Um, literally, like, two, three days ago. I haven't had a chance to sit down with it yet. But, yeah, they, they released a making of uh, book on it, and so I've been dying to dig into that. I love how tall and lanky they are, man, almost like spidery with their hands. Like, that's yeah, totally exactly. fucking creepy They're shit, dude. Everything, make it creepier. Ooh. Oh, man. Yeah, without a doubt, my all-time favorite, you know, werewolf design. And I love the classics, too. Like, like the old-school bad-eared hauling werewolves are fantastic. The mm-hmm. American Werewolf in London, just like Dire Wolf type werewolf, is badass. I love all of those, but yeah, the Dog Soldiers is definitely my favorite one. I'll tell you one that um, a lot of people haven't seen. It's a, a German werewolf movie called How. Have you ever seen How? Yeah. Yeah, I, I like the design with those. 86? 
No, this one came. This one came out in the uh, 2000s, early 2000s, oh, I believe. 2000? Oh wait, is yeah. that the one where they're on the train? Yes, yeah, on the train. Yeah. Okay, okay, I, I had that mixed up with something. I think there was another werewolf movie called Hall in the 80s. I was mixing that up with for a second. Yeah, no, what, the werewolves on a train one. That was actually a really fun flick. I I haven't seen it in a couple of years. I need to revisit that. But yeah, I have checked that out. It, it was a ton of fun. Yeah, and I, I like the design on those werewolves because they're more like human looking, but they're still werewolves and they're still fucking brutal. Like that, that's a really brutal movie, man. A lot of good gore, a lot of good practical effects. You just don't hear too much about that one. Yeah, and I, and I love like I, I honestly like any kind of like siege horror movie where like, hey we're trapped in a thing or in a place that almost always gets me. I, I don't know why. I just love that that isolation feel and like mm-hmm. the idea of putting that onto a train. It's it's just absolutely amazing, amazingly good idea. You know, same thing with like Train to Busan. Mm-hmm. If you put these people into this situation in this small, cramped quarters, like it's absolutely terrifying. Like you have nowhere to go. Dude, I love Train to Busan. That's probably one of my favorite zombie movies, man. Because uh, it was something different. You know, it wasn't like the typical fucking boring ass zombie movie. They did oh, something absolutely. way different. You know. Yeah, no, that, that would definitely be one of my all-time favorites as well, as far as zombies go. Like, I, like I'll see the remake when it comes out, but, like, I don't know, man. It's like, did, I, I, I don't really see the point in that. It's no. like, just, just release that movie in theaters. You know, it's 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 perfect as it is. It was, it's, it's, it's like the wreck quarantine debate again. Oh, like, God, yeah. Why the hell do we make quarantine when wreck is out there, you know? Wreck is perfection, man. The quarantine movies suck ass, in my opinion. I fucking love the Wreck movies, but quarantine, like, I don't know, man. It has no edge to it. The first two Wreck movies after that, it's a bit of a drop off for me. Yeah, I agree. The first two that form that one, like, all end story, I really freaking enjoy. Like, that would probably, Wreck would probably be my all time favorite, like, zombie flick. Yeah, dude, Wreck is evil because the zombies in that are like, fucking like um almost like demonic and stuff you know especially yeah, towards yeah, them you know, like these are actually like demons yeah yeah and that, that's one of the best parts about that movie is like the whole time you're dealing with this this whole movie you're dealing with is as like as like a scientific outbreak type movie trying to quarantine government I- interference etc cetera, etc cetera. and then at the end they're like you know what we're gonna fuck with you a bit we're gonna flip it maybe it's a demon <laughs> <laughs> it's like what all right i'm here for it hell yeah yeah, I love that twist. And that last, like, uh, demon zombie towards him when she's, like, in the room with, like, the, uh, doesn't it show, like, uh, like, goggles or something she's seeing in the dark with? And then you got that big fucking. She's using the, uh, the, the night vision setting on the camera. Yeah, yeah that's they, right. They, they break the light right as they get up into that attic area. That last reveal, man, is horrifying when, uh, that creature comes out and starts walking around. And you're stuck in a room with him, like, ah, oh, man. Dude, and it's all lanky again, lanky and creepy. Yeah, that was yeah, all that, practical too, if I'm not mistaken. Yep, that movie was almost entirely practical. There's a little bit of CGI editing, which is perfectly fine. You, that's, yeah. what, that's what it should be there for. But yeah, no, it's almost entirely practical. Yeah, yeah, that's another thing that gets me about quarantine. And it's like, I, I don't know if you remember the trailer from Quarantine. It mm-hmm. literally shows you the very last scene of the fucking movie in the trailer. Totally ruins it then. Yeah. Well, when she gets dragged away into the darkness, that's the end of the fucking movie. Oh, yeah. And that was actually the cover of Quarantine, if I'm not mistaken, too, was her getting dragged off. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's like, hey, thanks for telling me that. Like, to this day, I don't watch trailers anymore. 
Uh, same here, dude. Same. I haven't yeah. watched a trailer in like fucking 10 years because I've been yeah, getting so much in a movie. Like, if I'm at the theater, you know, I'll sit there and I'll, I'll usually sit through the trailers or something or I'll go to the washroom. But that's but like online, like if someone tells uh, like I'll read about a movie, if it sounds great, cool, I'm going to see that. But if not, like I'm not watching the trailer, period. I, I, I want nothing to do with it. Yeah, I get my trailers with quotation marks from reading about them in Rue Morgue. That's how I, I won't watch a trailer. I, I go by what Rue Morgue says on their stuff, like what's coming up. I, that's one of my big like resources I use to see what the hell's coming out. And also uh, a lot of the podcasts I follow do like Colors of the Dark and all this go by a lot of their oh, stuff yeah. and avoid the trailers. No, yeah, absolutely. Like anytime like or like just like my friends who are horror fans, you know, they'll post about something. So, you know, you get the information from everywhere. But, like, nowadays, the guys who cut trailers have no idea what the hell they're doing. They're just giving you the movie away. And and I'm not even blaming them. You know, let me rephrase that. The studio heads are who are making them do this shit are giving you the whole damn movie in every trailer. And I I don't want that. I go to the movie to see new things. Mm -hmm. I don't don't want a full synopsis of the movie before I go. Yeah, I like to go in blind, man. Like, I, I don't want to know, like, you know, the climax parts on. They give all that shit away with trailers. So yeah. I'm, yeah, I'm good. Like, all you got to do is like, hey, man, this is a we- movie with werewolves. All right, cool. I'm going to watch that. Yeah. Like, like, that's literally all I needed, man. I, like, you don't have to go all, like a full hog wild on it and show me every little bit. That's what I like about the old school trailers back in the VHS days, man. Like, the trailers were kind of short. They didn't really give them give too much away and added to the mystery of the movie. You know, that's well, how you do it. They just fucking blatantly lied to you. Mm-hmm. Like the trailer would clearly be about one kind of movie. And then you go in and you've got an entirely different movie. It's like, <laughs> you lied to me, you sons of bitches. <laughs> <laughs> that's uh, also like some of the VHS covers too, man. Like you'd see the uh-huh. cover. It looks super brutal. And you go to watch it. It's a totally different movie. <laughs> oh yeah, man. Like, like, like trailer, um, Cover lies is like one of like the best things ever, man. Like you go in, like you see this amazing monster on the cover, and like not only does the monster in the movie not look like that, like that monster doesn't even show the fuck up. <laughs> I miss that though, man. We don't get yeah. that nowadays with all these streaming services. Like you go to Netflix, you look at their little cover art things they have for each movie. They're so fucking bland and like shitty. I'm like, I don't. What is this? I want something to entice me to watch this, man. Where's the cool art at? You know. Yeah, exactly. It's just it's just random photographs now, and I hate that. That and every time you like, as soon as you like, click on a movie to read about it on Netflix, what do they fucking do? Immediately start just playing you a fucking trailer of the uh, guy. Yeah. Movie. Like, dude, so can I, I hate that. What movies about and make my own decision. I don't need to see five minutes of the movie before I fucking choose. You know, the only thing I really use Netflix for now is because of that trailer situation. And Netflix is kind of weak to me when it comes to horror. But I use it for my uh, Seinfeld watches, man, because uh, I love Seinfeld. I own Seinfeld on DVD and stuff, but, you know, it's right there. I'm going to stream it. So that's pretty much what I use Netflix for. Yeah, like, I, I keep it around. Like, it's really just out of habit at this point, because, like, with, with the job, you know, I don't I don't get to watch a lot of TV anymore. It's like that's one thing they don't tell you about. Like, once you do art, you don't get to enjoy the things art creates as much anymore because you're constantly freaking working. So, like, I, I don't get to read as many books and comics or watch as many movies as I used to. So, like, now most of my enjoyment comes from, like, audio books or podcasts or music. Because that I can listen to while working, you know. Right. Yeah, you don't really have any days off, right? Do you kind of block yourself off some, like, 
like time to chill or anything like that? Or I mean, I try to, but like, like for me, I knew if I wanted to make it, I was going to have to put in a shit ton of work because I was already starting late in, in life, you know, mm-hmm. Ver- versus someone coming out like doing it in their 20s or something. So I got used to working 40 hours a week at my regular shitty job and also working another 40 hours a week doing art. And when I dropped a part time at my regular shitty job, I was just so used to it at that point. I started doing more with the art. So now that art's all I do, it's it's like not uncommon for me to wake up, sit in the studio and literally be in the studio until two, three in the morning. Mm head to the gym, come home, watch maybe like an hour of TV, then crash out and get up and do it again. And then like, I'm not complaining. I, I love doing this stuff, but yeah, I've been having a real hard time with my work life balance. I got, I, I recently got into therapy because of it actually, mm-hmm. just because like the stress of it and just being alone all day, every, cause I work alone. I live alone. Right. That shit, like, it wears on you in ways you don't even realize. So, like, I've been trying to fix that, get a better work-life balance. But, yeah, it's like with art, it gets in your head when you're a freelance artist. If you're not working, you're not making money. Mm-hmm. If you're not making – and that's not my goal here. I don't want to be rich or anything, but I got fucking bills to pay just like everybody else, you know? Oh, yeah. I totally get that. <laughs> yeah, but so it's like you get used to just working constantly. And I love the work, but yeah, man, it's like, you got to find time to get your ass out of the house because otherwise you start going a little bit crazy and and the art suffers if you're not Mm -hmm. getting that proper balance. Like I need to be around other creative people. Like one of the things I'm most jealous about, like I love the Mm seventies. I wasn't alive, but I like love it. The music, the movies, the art, but like back then, you know, artists had to be in New York. And it was expensive to live in New York as it is today. So like they would all go like you'd usually get like a group of like four or five, six artists who would go in together on a studio. So you had guys like Bernie Wrightson and Jeffrey Catherine Jones and Kaluta. And like they're all in one studio just working around each other, talking, influencing each other's work, giving advice. And like I feel like that is such a lost important part of art because we all live across the world now and we don't have that. Like once a week, I try and get together with a good friend of mine, Raven Monroe, uh, sketchy Raven Mm -hmm. on Instagram and TikTok. I try and get with her at least once a week. Just we'll just sit there and we'll, we'll, we'll call each other, put it on speaker and we'll just draw together for four or five hours. Just talking. That's and we'll cool. shoot pictures back and forth about what we're working on. And I have, I have a bunch of artists that I'm friends with that I'll be constantly shooting pictures back and forth with just to get some semblance of that studio feeling again. Right. Because if you don't have creative input coming in, you can't refill that part of you that makes this shit. You know, you have to work with other people sometimes, even in a job like mine, that's so solitary. Yeah. Uh, I totally get that with the podcasts and stuff that I do. I'm in like uh, a group of really awesome dudes. We're called the horsemen of the podcast apocalypse. That's like our our little name, but we're all like support for each other. You know, we're like a group of really awesome people that that support each other and fucking, you know, it's motivate, you know, it's like the coolest thing ever, dude. 
that's exactly it, man. Like what people don't realize, like what I always try and tell people is like, like I love meeting new weird creatives and artists, like, like anyone, like theater, dance, wrestling, roller derby, musicians, whatever like your art is, podcasts, like you're creating something new. Like when I meet people like that, like those are the people that energize me. Mm-hmm. You know, I absolutely need those people in my life. It's the problem is sometimes with art is like you run into a lot of these bitter dudes and women, but that um, that view it as like as view you as competition. And I don't believe in competition in art. Right. We all do such varied and different things. Like chances are, if you get a job I wanted, it's just because you were better suited to the job. Mm-hmm. But like those guys who are secretive and like shitty with with new artists, like they drive me absolutely nuts, man. I fucking hate them. It's like like whenever an artist asks me for like tips, help, I'm happy to make time for them. Like you want to know how I do my art? Fuck yeah, I'll tell you how I do my art because it's just like playing guitar or something. Like just because I just because I know the notes and I can fret them properly doesn't make me fucking Tony Iommi. I can't play like him. He plays like him. You know, so each artist can only create like themselves. So therefore, the idea of competition only hurts your only hurts you. Yeah, and art is so subjective to, to the fucking viewer and stuff too, man. Like somebody might not like that style. You might be the greatest yeah. artist in the world, but they might not like that style of art. So they don't. Oh yeah, dude, like I guarantee the most popular artist in the world right now has a billion people that also hate his stuff. You know, it's art. It's just the way it goes. It's the same thing with like music and uh, writing, anything else, movies, you know, whatever. <laughs> if, you, if you go into it thinking just in competition th- terms, you're not making art anymore. You're making content. And if you're making content, you're not an artist. Like, don't get me wrong. Make your shit. Get fucking paid for it, man. But like, if that's your only goal, you're not going to be making the best stuff you can make. you got to make what you love. Right. And like for me, that's weird bondage demons and fucking sci-fi heavy metal monsters, you know? Oh yeah. You find you find your your niche, you find your people. Like if you do the stuff you love, you will find your audience. They will come. Because there's gonna be people out there that love that weird shit just as much as you do. Like when I released that bondage tarot deck, I was not expecting to sell five hundred copies of that deck in the first freaking year. And release an art book for it that did over thirteen thousand on Kickstarter. It's great. Like it's insane to me. Like that's huge money for someone like me, you know. So like stuff like that. Like if you put it out there and you're just genuine and you just love what you do, you're gonna find the success. It might take a while, and you still got to put the work in. You can't just sit around and wait for it. But you'll find your audience, you know, no matter what it is you like to do. Yeah, you just got to keep grinding, man. Find your niche and keep grinding that shit. Exactly. You know, I can't remember who said it because I'm, I am I draw tits and monsters and I'm not very smart, but it's uh, find what you love and let it kill you. Oh, shit. Uh, was that Nietzsche? It, I, I, it doesn't sound like Nietzsche. No, no not Nietzsche. Uh, yeah, I, I'm just the guy that draws tits and monsters, man. <laughs> <laughs> no, I do love that quote, though, man. I don't know who the hell says it. I'm pretty sure I'm wrong on that, but I cannot remember. But that is a great quote. <laughs> uh, bu- 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 uh, I can't talk today. Bukowski. Charles there Bukowski. you go. Yeah, that's I, it. I Googled it. So. <laughs> uh, okay, I was about to do that. But when you said Bukowski, that's it right there. Like, okay, cool. <laughs> 
but yeah, man, like, like that's, that's, that, that's entirely how I live my life now is I hope everything works out with the stuff I make. I've got fallbacks of regular work if it don't, but hopefully like this new tarot deck when it releases this fall, hopefully that does well and I can move on to the next weird thing, you know, that'll fund whatever next year's insane project is. Are you um doing any comic stuff as of right now too on the side or any new comic Oh yeah. Books? Um, uh, when's this gonna come out? Uh, this will probably be out. Uh, I'm gonna say in a month's time. Okay. Yeah. I I just did a cover um for the R- Roseblood Manor series on Kickstarter. I do a cover for them every issue from Bad Bug Media. They're absolutely fantastic. I think the current one will be over by then, but issue four should be popping up on there soon. Um, yeah, no, I, I try and get at least a couple of uh, comic book jobs a month just because I love doing them. You know, to keep trying to grow in that area because I do eventually want to work for some of the bigger ones. You know, get to draw like all my favorite characters. Like if I get to draw Swamp Thing for DC or I get to draw Doctor Doom for Marvel, like that would like make my life, man. I would be so happy for that. But okay. like, yeah, like right now, like I'm right now I'm in the middle of a job where I'm working for um, Arduin Publishing basically illustrating a monster other role-playing games which is completely up my alley i love it i'm having a blast and they're really nice guys to work with mm-hmm. um but yeah and, and i work with a ton of bands local breweries uh, a little bit of everything like i said you know I, I try and take a few jobs a month but still have time for my stuff right yeah, I definitely love all the band stuff you do too, man. Like that's oh, great fucking artwork. Yeah, if I was still an active band, I, we would have definitely hit you up. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate that. Yeah, I, I work mostly like in like the stoner and doom metal like genres because like those cats always want wizards and astronauts and monsters, and that's also the kind of music I like. You know, like old school '70s Sabbath mm-hmm. is like my absolute favorite thing in the world. So. It's nice. Like I always tell people, like anytime you want to work with like in a community like that, just go out and be part of the community. You know, like I'm at all the shows anyway. So like I, you know, you get to meet half the people, especially like in something as small as like the doom metal um, community, because everyone's super chill and like all the bands are just out there hanging out with you watching the show too. Yep. So like if you're just a, a if you're a decent dude and you do good work for them for a good price you know, help take care of them. Cause like for me, like band art, I, I do band art at a discount. Mm-hmm. Like I literally make twice as much, if not more doing other jobs versus band art, just because like I said, my own personal experience, I know how hard it is making money at that shit. Right. So I try and make sure I can, I try and make sure I do well in everything else so I can cut the bands a deal. Cause you know, there's guys out there that are charging like small local bands you know, five, 600 bucks for a t-shirt. And it's like, dude, those guys are never going to make that money back. No, <laughs> you can't charge them that much. So like, mm-hmm. like I understand they came to you and they're paying the prices. It's on them. But for like smaller bands, I always try and make sure I'm doing like a, a, a nice easy price where I know they can make it back after a couple of shows and then they can actually make money on my design. That's what I want them to do. I want them to make money on it. That's the way to do it. Um, our last big design we got done um for the Doomed and Stone Fest. Uh, David Paul Seymour is running a special where everybody that was like 
you know, everybody that was taking part in the Doom the Stone Festival up there in Chicago and stuff. He ran a special price thing on there. So we got artwork done by fucking David Paul Seymour. We're yeah, so I'm fucking happy David. about that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Most yeah, of the cool. guys like David, Steven, Yoyada, like, like like we all know each other. We're all friends on Facebook and talk with you know all the time. And David's a fucking super nice guy, man. Yeah, I've been Facebook friends with him for a while now. I've always promoted his stuff and always loved his artwork. This and having shirts done by him, man. They sold out so fucking fast. So oh, I didn't yeah, even get myself. Don't, don't, don't sell out on the name alone. Yeah, like, I've got I've got at least three of his shirts in my closet as we speak. He's a yeah, he's that, a badass. That's the thing about like the Stoner Doom community, man. Like I said, everyone's super chill. Everyone's friends, and you know this way everyone makes money. Um, did you attend that Doom to Stone Fest like uh, five or so years ago? It was with uh, Whores. Uh, no, I wasn't there. at the Whores one. I was at the um, the last one right before a pandemic because I did the poster art for it. Oh, nice. Okay, and yeah, that's right. Selling as well. Yeah, yeah, those are great festivals, man. The, actually, this year's it's not Doomed and Stone Chicago anymore. Now it's Doomed and Stoned Illinois. Because this year coming up, it's actually going to be at Metal Monkey Brewing in Romeoville, Illinois. Oh, cool. Um, which is actually the brewery I do artwork for. Like, I've even done, better. I've done, over 50, I've done over 50 beer can labels for those guys. I love those guys. But like the, like the last couple of years, they put a ton of work in, like putting in a nice stage inside, making it so bands can come in and play. And it's like they've turned into a legit venue in the Chicago area. So like yeah, we're, we're super excited for this night for this Doom to Stone show. That's badass, man. I remember Reggie's was fucking cool as hell, but trying to back up in there and load your oh, shit was a pain in the ass, dude. Yeah, yeah. Reggie's parking. Reggie's my all-time favorite venue in the city. Was literally just there a couple weeks ago to see Chemist. <clears throat> um, fantastic place, but yeah, like if you're trying to pull in the back for load in or load out, it's, it's a bit of a nightmare. <laughs> it really was. We're, we're pulling back there with their van with the uh, double axle trailer and stuff on there, dude. Oh my god! <laughs> and we got there and they were they were supplying all the backline, but they didn't say what all they needed, so we bought extra gear just in case. So we're towing that shit across. Like, oh, y'all don't really oh. need that. Just throwing it back in the in the van again. I'm like, god damn it. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that, that's where you're going to see, like, most of, like, the Doom and Stoner acts come through Chicago. It's really nice. Like, the well was just coming through with Fire Breather, like, a month ago. Like, there's always, like, all the best, like, Doom and Stoner bands coming through, man. I love Reggie's. Reggie's cool. Also, the food there was fucking amazing. Oh, yeah, over in the uh, the music joint side? Yeah, yeah, the, yeah. Dude, the, uh, the pulled pork mac and cheese is the most amazing thing you will ever eat. I'm pretty sure I had that and I had some type of chicken, but I had like chicken and waffles and I think I had the mac and cheese as a side or some shit. I just remember like, God damn, this is good. <laughs> yeah, anytime I go to a show, I, I almost always get up there a little bit early, jump over to the music joint side, sit down, have a beer, have some dinner, then go into the rock club for the show <laughs> every time. That place is great, but that's cool. They're still doing the Doom to Stone this year, and they're doing it in Chicago still, so it's badass. Yeah, well, like, like Romeoville isn't Chicago; it's just out, but it's like oh, okay. it's, it's just outside. It's like one of like like one of the more um like southwestern suburbs, mm-hmm. but like it's it's all still Cook County in Chicago. You know, it's it's, it's all within driving distance, which is nice. It's cool. And speaking of Doom and stuff, man, I want to see a. Uh, Yob, they're playing uh, North Carolina sometime next month or whatever. I still want to try to get there to see that. Yob's one of my favorite bands, man. They're oh, so yeah, fucking they're, good. Uh, 
they're coming through uh next week nice are you going um i think they're playing thalia hall up here um i'm probably i'll probably end up there almost certainly that's killer yob is great i have a a signed vinyl from their last release from everybody in the band and i don't even take it out of its little case i keep it up on top of my books (laughs) yeah no yob's awesome yeah no I, i i go all over for the shows like last year i was at desert fest in new york drove out there for that um earlier this month i i drove down to tennessee to go check out uh church of the cosmic skull because they nice. they came over from the uk but they weren't playing any dates up near me it was all down south so i'm like all right i guess i'm going to tennessee for a few days <laughs> nice yeah here they're really good i haven't really checked out too much of their stuff from what i what i know about oh, them, i really cool. love those guys you know more of like a a 60s like culty stoner metal feel mm-hmm. a little more psychedelic absolutely love those guys yeah last show i attended was what last month it was uh i hate god and goat horn that was a really cool show oh fantastic i go fucking um goat horn was just up here too those guys are fucking great every time that's not my third or fourth time seeing them and they always put on like a great show and they always sound good all out man they always go all out which is which is really nice yeah it was good seeing them again and stuff and so hopefully the next show will be again to see Yob. I haven't been to a good night like, doom show in a while, so. Oh hell yeah, man! Well, I imagine like where you're at, like you you probably don't get all the tours, so. No, we don't. <laughs> Unfortunately, yeah. you got to do some driving to get anywhere, at least four or five hours out of town to you know see a decent oh, band. Luckily, awesome. the Goat tour came the actual like an hour away from me. That's a rarity. We usually don't have it like that, you know. Oh, that's so that was cool. Yeah. Yeah, like, like 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 that's the trade-off. Like Chicago is expensive as fuck, but I I, I get to see all the shows. <laughs> yeah, y'all get all the fucking shows in Chicago. Oh yeah, cool. everybody comes through. You know, like uh, right now I'm waiting for uh I'm waiting for Windhand to release or uh, not not Windhand Elder to release the second half of their tour schedule because for some reason they weren't hitting Chicago this run. Like they're hitting Milwaukee, but I just didn't feel like going up there. So I'm like, all right, we're, we're, what are we doing here? Because I, I believe they're on the road with Ruby the Hatchet. So like, I need to see Elder and Ruby the Hatchet. So I'm waiting, I'm waiting and waiting for them to drop the second half of the tour schedule. Because if they're not hitting Chicago, I'm gonna be pissed. Yeah, I'm sure they're gonna go through Chicago probably last minute. That throw it in there. I would think so. Yeah, they'd be missing out if they didn't. Yeah, I think Chicago right now is kind of like one of the second homes of Doom, if you ask me. Oh yeah, it's like Chicago and New Orleans are like like the two biggest like areas for doom right now. Like the the, the amount of local like stoner and doom bands we have is absolutely astounding. Like you can literally go see a stoner doom band almost any 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 weekend you're out here. Like I was literally at Soundgrawler Brewery, which is another heavy metal brewery out here last night to uh, see my friends and we killed the lion. Mm-hmm. You know, very like 70s psychedelic stoner rock fantastic dudes so it's like yeah you can see shows like all kinds of freaking stoner and doom metal bands out this way yeah unfortunately what we got around this way now is uh, a lot of like uh i would almost call it new metal ish type shit like stuff that's never evolved from like the year 2000 we got a lot of those type of bands we got like the uh, metalcore kids and stuff like that yeah yeah we got a lot yeah, of death, I mean, I death course huge but it's like, yeah, it's, it's, it's not really my thing. Like, right. I, I'm not going to like many metalcore or black metal or death metal shows. You know, I, I, I like my riffs. I like my Sabbath. 
I like like the classic doom metal stuff. Like that, that's usually what I'm in for. Yeah, I love my death metal. I love black metal, stoner, stoner doom. I, I do dig. I dig more like the sludgier, more like heavier stuff. You know what I mean? Like more primitive oh, yeah, man you. type doom. You know what I'm saying? Like oh, real absolutely. nasty shit. But um, yeah, unfortunately, like around here is a lot of the new metal sounding type stuff. I don't know how to ex- describe it, but it's not very good. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, hey. It's yeah. just like art, man. It's it's all subjective. Oh, yeah. Everyone's exactly. got their thing, you know. It just don't vibe with me too well. But uh, the yeah, deathcore no, community yeah, yeah. is really cool here. Like, I got a really good friend that's in a... They call me a, a deathcore band. This band's called Homicide. I just call it a metal band. Like, it's like a... I call it a death metal, melodic death metal band. But, um... Yeah, that, that's, that's, that's the problem. There's too, many, there's too many damn subgenres. Like, I know. It's straight no more. <laughs> I'm saying, dude. I'm like, is it heavy or what? Just let me know that. Yeah, is it heavy? It's, is it's it like... Death metal? Metal band, man. It's cool. <laughs> so many different genres of fucking metal. I'm like... We were called like black and sludge when we were playing and stuff. I'm like, I like that. I can deal with black and sludge. I've been yeah, called, right. like, at least it sounds cool. Like, yeah, I mean, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll take sludge metal any day, man. Like crowbar, you know that 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 all fits in with like the stoner doom stuff, you know. Yeah, we were we were definitely in that genre of metal. We were called like the black metal Melvins. That was one of the things because only oh, the black yeah. metal part we come from like mostly my vocals, man. I have like the really crazy high vocals, like black metally type shit, and some of the oh, riffs yeah, kind of black metally. Had that Melvin's groove and stuff. That was yeah, like I our just, label. I actually just saw them um, earlier this year. I want to say. Oh, that's cool. How was that? Oh, uh, it wasn't a great show, honestly. Oh yeah. Yeah, like, like, I was like, I was very surprised. Um, they were opening for um, uh, ministry, and mm-hmm. it was not a fantastic show. It wasn't a bad show, but it's just like 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 their, their live act. There's not a ton of energy there. I was really surprised by it. I've seen them open, um, not open up. I've seen them at Maryland Death Fest years ago. Oh, so, nice. um, yeah, I'm friends with the people who run Maryland Death Fest. I, I keep wanting to come out there, you know, sell some art and just hang out for a few days. I just haven't had a chance to yet. Hopefully next year. That's a marathon. I, I will tell you that. <laughs> Maryland oh, yeah, Death no, Fest. Holy shit. Like I said, I was out. In, I was out in New York for a Desert Fest last last um, spring, and you know that's three days straight in Queens of like 10 hour days of just you know two stages going at once doom and stoner metal mm-hmm. and like yeah that shit wears you out man i'm not young no more <laughs> no me neither i'm about to be 38 next month so i'm getting up there little ways you know <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah no you start you start slowing down it's like hey where can i sit <laughs> yeah oh yeah i love sitting dude like standing hell for a yeah. couple hours dude fuck like oh, kills me now man. yeah no it's <laughs> It gets to the point now where like everyone's like let's let's let's, let's get up to the front of the stage. And I'm like I'm gonna find the most convenient place to stand where I can see the show, get to the bar, and get to the bathroom without any issues. <laughs> right, yeah, I want the least amount of like you know turmoil for me getting around those places. <laughs> you know? Exactly. I, I still jump in a pit every once in a while if the mood hits me. But man, some of them younger guys got so much energy, which I still have a ton of energy too. I just you know. I don't want to get yeah. hurt like that, you know, back in the day. I'm, no, I mean, I don't want to get all, <laughs> I'm going to get all sweaty and everything. I'm like, I'm good. <laughs> I'm going to stand over there in the corner with my beer. I'll let, I'll, I'll, let, I'll let everybody else have that fun. I'm good, man. Last pit I jumped into, I think, was for Weed Eater and uh, Cryptopsy. <laughs> and that was a wild pit, so. <laughs> Last one I was in was fucking Amana Marth. And, like, their fans take that shit seriously. And, like, I'm a big dude. 
But even I was getting pumped around and I'm like, all right, man, that's enough of this nonsense. I'm going to go sit out and have a beer. I don't need this nonsense. I don't need this shit today. <laughs> yeah, there's always that one really big dude that's bigger than you in the pit. Because I'm a big dude, too. I'm like 230 pounds, like 6'2", whatever. I'm like, oh, I'm Mr. Big Guy in the pit. Here comes like the six foot eight, fucking 400-pound guy. Like, oh, dude, shit. Right? Yeah. Well, that, <laughs> that's move. usually me. I, like, I've, got over, I've got almost 100 pounds on you. Uh-huh. <laughs> I'm a fucking yeah. Yeti. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I had to jump out the pit. <laughs> oh yeah, no. Now I, I'm the guy that I'm gonna hold the bar up, <laughs> make sure the bar's okay. Just <laughs> I can get my beers real quick. I can you know run off to the washroom or poke my head outside. You'll get a little air. Yeah, I'm good now. I'm old. <laughs> yeah, I just want to watch a show now. You know, I just want to exactly. Well, John, this has been killer, man, having you on the podcast finally. Oh, we thanks, should, man. I appreciate it. I appreciate you having me on. We should uh, definitely do this again, maybe yearly or something we get together. Yeah, or whenever you got something new going on, just let me know. Yeah, man. I mean, I've, you know me. I've always got like, weird shit coming up, brother. Always. Yeah, man. Well, this was fun as hell, dude. And um, I hope you enjoy your uh, your weekend and what's left of the weekend and stuff like that. And no, yeah. It's back to work as soon as I'm off this, man. Well, you have a good work day, man, and it was killer talking with you. You too, man. All right. Thanks a lot. Take care. All right, bud. Bye.